Texans are there, and the Texans are in the playoffs. And welcome into episode number one of the Football Frenzy Podcast. I'm Chris Soriano, your host. Just in time for NFL Wild Card Weekend, and what a weekend of football we are going to have. First off, a couple of things about this podcast. Football-oriented, obviously the next couple of weeks will be heavy laden in with the NFL playoffs, some off-season commentary on college football, and obviously when the seasons are in full swing, We will be covering professional football, college football, and high school football from across the country. So it'll uh, be quite interesting. We'll have some uh, guests and uh, guest commentary throughout the episodes. So uh, I am hoping, hoping that you all join us uh, each and every time we drop a podcast here and uh, you enjoy what you hear. I'm Chris Soriano, Soriano Network on YouTube. If you want to get to know a little bit more of who I am, uh, also uh, founder of WSIB Radio, freeform internet radio station. Just uh, Google WSIB freeform radio and uh, everything will come up there. Uh, been in the uh, radio world, behind the scenes, uh, on the scenes, if you will. Uh, CBS FM, Sirius XM, sports, NFL radio, all those cool things. So, uh, But I'm with you right now on this podcast, Football Frenzy Podcast, and let's get right to it. First off, I'd be remiss of not touching on three end of eras that we saw this week. And before we get into the predictions of the games, we have to go over Bill Belichick, Pete Carroll, and Nick Saban. All three of them are moving on. And Saban may be the only one out of the three maybe content with staying back, riding off into the sunset. You know Saban will get a boatload of money from ESPN college football game day can we please replace pat mcafee with him please some professionalism in class and well i don't know mcafee's a whole nother story that's a whole nother topic for a whole nother podcast but then you have belichick and then you have carroll and let's start with pete carroll and i want to play you a little tidbit of his exit press conference 
take a close listen to this. Our last game, um, I had a couple chances to uh, to talk, and, and uh, first I shared um, my feelings about uh, about our team and uh, about the organization and representing the twelves and my intentions of staying with the Hawks, man, and that um, that was uh, true to the bone, and uh, I want to make sure that that's that's clear as things have shifted so quickly in, in most people's perspective. Uh, it's been an honor and a thrill to be part of this program. And uh, I've loved every minute of it. And uh, <laughs> you've watched me love it <laughs> in particular. Um, and it's, it's, it's exciting that, that there's such a future uh, uh, here. And, and you can see it. And we, we know what's happening. And, and uh, it's bright. And the club's got great places to go. And there's great chances. It don't ever happen automatically. There's a lot of work to be done and all of that. But the future is bright. I'm freaking jacked. I'm fired up. I'm not tired. I'm not worn down. Uh, you, you guys tried your best. You didn't wear me out. I'm, you know, it's the end of the season. I'm supposed to be, you know, go lay on a cot somewhere. I ain't feeling like that. And, uh, um, you know, there's what's coming. I don't know. I got no idea. And I really don't care right now. But uh, I do. Um, I'm excited about it because there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to study. Uh, there's a, uh, there's some great discoveries that are going to come our way. And as my, my all-time mentor Bud Grant said, not in so many words, uh, there's, there's rivers to wade, uh, there's waves to catch, and there's mountains to hike. And uh, it wasn't exactly how Bud said it, but uh, I get it. And uh, that's some cool stuff that we're going to do here. Um, and uh, I look forward to all that. So that does not sound like a guy that wanted to leave. That's me like, like he was pushed out. And again, 72 years old, and you can make the case. We've spoken about this, folks. Young offensive minds, young offensive coordinators, that's where I think the NFL is headed with the head coaching carousel and head coaching openings. The NFL owner nowadays wants a hot, young, fresh, young NFL offensive mind. Except if you're the Jets, who hires defensive minds every year with no head coaching experience, and how does that work out for them? But... I could see that, but, and yeah, okay, 72 years old, he's got so much energy, so much juice. This guy moves around more than than most head coaches do. Like I said, I'm a Jets fan. Robert Sala sits on the sidelines with his arms folded. Todd Bowles doesn't, doesn't move at all. Same face for pain and happiness. And Pete's out there 72 years old. Running around the sidelines like a kid. And he made it that point to say he ain't tired. He's jacked up. Wouldn't it be great? I, I, I would love, I, I, and I don't know if this would happen. He, he's already in the area. I would love, love for Washington football, NCAA, to come and knock him. Because they've lost their head coach. He's gone on to Alabama to replace Nick Saban. And I think it's a good hire. I think it's a good hire. I think he's done a lot with that Washington program. And I think DeBoer is going to do great in Alabama. But Pete Carroll, Pete, you're right there. Can you imagine if they gave him a call? If, If Washington football gave Pete a call, he would take it. Also, what about the other team in the NFL that's in Washington. The Commanders. 
Wouldn't it be great? I'm telling you, man, I would love to hire Pete Carroll. Granted, in about two, three years, that's probably going to be it. You probably and he's probably going to want to, you know, go off into the sunset. And but I, I think he he's I think he still believes he's got about two, three years left. Does does Washington football and the NCAA college ranks are they coming knocking after what he did with USC, the success he had there? Do the Commanders come a knocking? Who knows? Or would the Commanders go the route and they be enemies right there? Did they just make the enemy the head coach? I think if the enemy wasn't there, it'd be more of a shot for Carroll maybe to get the call from Washington for the Commanders' job. But being that the enemy's there, I think it makes the most sense. I think the enemy has gone through the process here. It's time. Give the guy a job. Let's see what he can do. Um, but yeah, Pete, man, I'm telling you, that sucks. Great guy, doing NFL radio, and uh, got the chance to speak to him a little bit, almost weekly, when we had him on for the uh, spot on the NFL Late Hit Show. And he was great. Just just a great guy to talk football with. That's one era gone in Seattle after 14 years. After 24 years, Bill Belichick is gone in New England. And we knew this was happening. And Jared Mayo has been hired as the new coach who was in the contract. And I think it's a great hire for New England. I think he'll do great there. Uh, didn't know that was in the contract. Again, Vrabel made a lot of sense there. But hey, listen, if it's in the contract, it's in the contract. I think Mayo or Vrabel would have been a great fit. Uh, Mayo makes a lot of sense. And uh, again, he's, he's been in the organization under Bill. Uh, plus, it's in the contract. So I wish Mayo nothing but the best except when he plays the Jets. Good hire there. As for Bill, a lot of people are like, oh, he's another one. He's in his 70s. He's going to ride off in the sunset. No, no. Do you know what a competitor Bill Belichick is? And he's close to breaking that Don Shula record for wins. He's going to coach again. What are you kidding me? And there's two ones that stand out to me. The Chargers, obviously, they got the quarterback. They're a win-now team. But they're also getting old in some spots. I think they have a, a they still have a two year window, two three year window to do something. That may be all Bill needs, another two three years. So the Chargers is a, are, are a very good job. But then again, you have the Jim Harbaugh situation there. It makes sense if Harbaugh does leave Michigan. He's done what he's had to do. He's won the national championship. He's beat Ohio State three years in a row. What's there left to do? And plus that college football world is crazy. It's getting crazier and crazier by the day. I think now's the time that Harbaugh could conceivably go back to the NFL. And if I and, and if he did, I think the Chargers makes the most... I hope it's the Chargers because I don't want him going to the Raiders because I think the Raiders have their guy in Pierce. Don't touch that. Don't break the mold there. If it's not broke, don't fix it. They played their asses off under Antonio Pierce. Guys, got a head coach written all over him. Keep him there in Vegas, please, Mr. Davis. Keep him in there. But Harbaugh and Belichick are going to be up for that Chargers job. Now, the Falcons are another job. 7-10 the last three seasons under Smith. He was dismissed. And Arthur Blank has a history of hiring guys for the Falcons that do not necessarily 
have NFL head coaching experience. But it doesn't mean he hasn't tried to get the big fish. No pun intended, tuna. Bill Parcells. Made a, made a big swing in him, didn't get him. Joe Gibbs, same thing, didn't get him. Made a pass from him, didn't get him. You know he's going to offer up Belichick. And really, Atlanta and the Chargers are the only options I see for Belichick. Carolina has some young talent. They have a quarterback maybe that Belichick can work with. But here's the thing. They have no draft capital and they have an owner who's crazy. I wouldn't want to go there. Washington, like I said, I think it's going to be the enemy. I think he makes the most sense. Raiders, I think we'll, we'll stick with Pierce. Titans, I don't think are a good job. The Falcons, again, the Falcons are in a division that you can win. 8-9, and 9-8 is going to win you a division. Tampa's done it the last two years. 8-9 last year, 9-8 this year, they won the division. So that's a division that if you can sneak in at 9-8, and eight, get the playoffs, anything can happen. So I, I think it makes the most sense for those two teams, for Belichick. Saban, like I said, I think he's going to ride off into the sunset. He'll do television, get a boatload of money from ESPN. But Belichick and Carroll, I think, want to coach again. But I think Belichick will get a job over Carroll. I think if Belichick did not hit the free agent market, I think a lot of these teams would have been calling Pete Carroll. But Bill Belichick is Bill Belichick. He's possibly, arguably, the greatest coach of all time. And I think Belichick wants to prove, not that he has to prove anything, but you know Belichick hears this stuff. Oh, Bill can't win without Tom. And Tom won without Bill. Let's see what, what Bill can do with Herbert. Or and that, and Like I said, Atlanta has a high draft pick, but a quarterback draft pick, I don't know. Don't know if there's going to be a, a quarterback there for them, but they're in a very winnable division. That could also be one for Vrabel. High draft pick. You bring Tannehill with you, who has a history with you. Derrick Henry. And you're in a winnable division. So I, I think Atlanta's a great job. Uh, I think they're, they're just a quarterback away. Atlanta's a great job. I think the Chargers obviously are a great job. Vegas, I think, is not a terrible job. It's a good market. Um... Again, the Chiefs may be on the, on the decline. Uh, so I don't know. That division is kind of wide open to me. Uh, but it's competitive. It's a decent job. Uh, like I said, Ca- Carolina is not a bad job either. The only problem is, like I said, you have no draft capital coming up. And you have an owner who's bonkers. But that'll do it for our talk on the coaching carousel in the NFL. That'll be another podcast. And again, check out some... YouTube content, Soriano Network, for some videos on that, as well as Freeform Radio on the web, WSIB. But right now, it's playoff pick time. Lots of great games this weekend. NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. We start with the Texans and the Browns, and I gotta shout out the Texans who completed a a worst-to-first turnaround by winning the AFC South after finishing last place in 2022. They've been a dumpster fire for a while now. Uh, C.J. Stroud, who will win the NFL Offensive Rookie of the Year, 
He led the league in passing yards per game and is uh, first in uh, dropback for his zone coverage this season. That sounds great. Except the Browns play man coverage at the highest rate in the NFL at 41%. The Browns' defense could help Cleveland make a legitimate run. They allowed the fewest yards per game this season since the 2014 Seattle Seahawks, who made the Super Bowl. Cleveland had the highest three-and-out percentage at 48.6% since the 2005 Tennessee Titans. The fewest yards per drive allowed, 20.7 since the 2008 Pittsburgh Steelers, and the fewest first downs allowed per game, 14.9, since the 2009 New York Jets. This defense can contain Stroud and Nico Collins. As for the Browns' offense, Texans fans likely still have nightmares about what Flacco and Amari Cooper did to them earlier in the year. Dominant victory, remember that one, early on. Flacco completed 27 of 42 passes for 368 yards, three touchdowns, and two picks. While Cooper caught 11 passes for a franchise record 265 yards and two touchdowns and became the second player in NFL history to record a 200-yard receiving game for three different teams. Now, Flacco's tied with Tom Brady for the most road playoff wins by a starting quarterback in NFL history with seven. He's also covered the spread, if for all you betters, in seven straight playoff starts, which is tied for the longest streak by a quarterback in the past 25 seasons. I got you guys with the betting. I got you. I think overall this year with the uh, the, the bets, we were 20 and, 20 and 10. Not bad. Give me the Browns today. To cover the spread and win outright. Now Miami and Kansas City. This is such a tough spot for Tua and a Miami team that has struggled on the road. They're 4-4 and this season. And also in cold weather. And it's also a team that's kind of limping into the playoffs and might be the most banged up team heading into the postseason. The Chiefs have an elite pass defense as well. They're ranking third in EPA allowed per dropback and ranking in the top five in most defensive passing metrics. The temperature is expected to be under 45 degrees at kickoff, which is significant because Tua has not played well in cold weather. He has played four times with sub-45 degree weather, and the numbers aren't pretty. 0-4 with a 53% completion percentage, four touchdowns to five INTs at a 71.8 passer rating. And again, the narrative here, it's surrounding this game, going in, it's the weather, it's the weather, it's the weather. It's supposed to be negative 2 degrees with a wind chill around negative 10. 10 to 15 mile per hour winds. Now, stealing the narrative from Tyreek Hill here is pretty impressive because it's Hill's first game back at Arrowhead since the Chiefs traded him to Miami, and it's somehow not the top story. It's kind of amazing to me. Assuming the temperature holds, this will be one of the four or five coldest games in the NFL playoff history and the coldest home game in Chiefs history. And frankly, it does not bode well for the Dolphins. Miami's 0-10 in the last 10 games when the temperature is below 40 degrees, the longest current losing streak of any team in such games. Now, if you take the five coldest games of Tua's career, all of which range between 30 and 46 degrees, he's 0-5 in those games. With five touchdowns, seven INTs, and completes just over 56% of his passes. Now, the Dolphins have been terrible against good teams, 1-5 versus playoff teams. Their only sig- signature win this year was against the Cowboys, who gave them that game. But also so have the Chiefs. Chiefs are 1-4, the one win against Miami. So don't read too much into that. But I think the Chiefs will survive. I think 19-14, 
Kansas City with the edge over Miami. I want to pick the Dolphins so bad. As much as I hate the Dolphins, I want to pick them. But until someone goes into Arrowhead in a playoff game against Pat Mahomes and beats them, I can't do it. I can't do it. I, I have to see it happen first for me to believe. Steelers and Bills. T.J. Watt has been ruled out for this game, which puts a severe dent in Pittsburgh's chances of disrupting Josh Allen and pulling off the upset. I think if Watt was playing, I think we would have had a pretty decent enough shot of seeing the Steelers pull off the upset. But it's not going to happen. Steelers are 1-10 in 10 without Watt. They allow an average of six more points a game and have half a, as many sacks per game. Meanwhile, the Bills winning the AFC East in Week 18 and jumping up to the number two seed is a massive development because they are so far a superior team at home than they are on the road, which includes the play also from Josh Allen. The Bills quarterback is completing 67.6% of his passes and has a 102.4 passer rating at Highmark Stadium compared to 65.4 completion percentage and an 82 passer rating on the road. He's also thrown four more touchdowns and fewer interceptions at home as well. Basically, in layman's terms, the Steelers are going to get the best version of Allen in the game, which is terrifying because they're already banged up on defense without Watt, so it's not going to be good. And also, they have the dreaded seven seed. It's pretty much the kiss of death. The NFL, since they expanded to uh, 14 teams in 2020, there have been six games involving a seven seed. And not only has the seven seed gone 0-6 in those games, but they've lost them by an average of 12.2 points per game. Even if I throw that piece of information out the window, you can't throw out that Watt's not going to be playing. And usually when I pick against the Steelers, it's because I have no faith in their offense. But this week, I think it's their defense that's going to let them down the most. Like I said, Watt has been with the Steelers since 2017. Anytime he's missed a game, it's pretty much been the kiss of death. One in ten, like I mentioned before. If you're scoring at home, that's two kisses of death for the Steelers in one game, which feels like too many kisses of death to overcome. Give me the Buffalo Bills over the Pittsburgh Steelers. And the only way that I could see the Steelers maybe winning the game is if Mason Rudolph pulls out a miracle. But he's won three straight games to end the regular season. Is he out of miracles? I think he's out of miracles. Give me the Bills over the Steelers. The Green Bay Packers. And the Dallas Cowboys. This game just screams upset to me. And I will not ignore the warning signs this time. The Packers are a bad matchup for the Cowboys. Let's be realistic here. Aaron Jones has had three straight 100-yard games to end the year. And Dallas has had trouble stopping the run. And that's not to make no mention of quarterback Jordan Love, who you've had Favre, you've had Rodgers. This kid has stepped up recently. We thought, okay, they're going to go from Favre, Rodgers to this guy. Two and five football team the first seven games of the season, and they have clicked. Now, Dallas's offensive and defensive capabilities should not be overlooked, but I do think the Packers will pull off the upset. Give me Green Bay 28-21. Over the Dallas Cowboys. The pressure, it's Dallas. Death, taxes, and the Cowboys choking the playoffs since 1995. Give me the Packers to win this one. 
uh, Dallas is going to go home. Stephen A. Smith will be a very, very happy person. The Rams and the Lions. This is going to be, to me, one of the best games. This is the game I'm most excited for. Enticing storylines. Two quarterbacks exceeding all expectations. Great running backs on both sides. And two defenses prone to giving up big plays. This has the makeup of a shootout. And if it comes down to a battle of quarterbacks, I'm taking Goff over Stafford. Only because it's at home. Only because it's the first Detroit Lions home game since Bush was president. The first Bush. But I'm going with the Lions. 35-31 over the Rams. Then we have Monday night. Eagles and Bucks. Several weeks ago, this game would have been a gimme for the Eagles. But not anymore. It's pretty much over. The Eagles are done. They've lost five of their last six, and they're a cold football team. Tampa's on fire over the last month, and Baker Mayfield is playing some of his best football. Tampa's finishing the season 5-1. and one. Eagles finish at 1-5. It's hard to look at this game any other way, in my opinion. I say the Bucks, 21. Eagles, 10. And that will conclude Super Wild Card Weekend. Thank you so much, folks, for downloading this podcast. Remember, we'll be back next week with the divisional round and talking all that. Plus, if there was any more NFL news, we will get into it, plus college football as well. I am Chris Soriano. Thanks for listening. This has been the Football Frenzy. Football.